You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. God is always doing something in our lives. I don't understand God all the time. My prideful life doesn't always agree with God all the time. I don't like some of the things he puts me through as he puts you through some things at times. I don't understand what God's doing. But God's word says my times are in his hand. God's word says he even has the king's heart in his hand and he turneth it. Here's a heathen king, but God is going to use him in the lives of the Jews. When your life today perhaps is so hopeless and sad and sorrowful, you say, well, it's not today. Well, hang on a little bit. Be summoned to the hospital late at night as I have been. Almost 48 years I've pastored this church. Be summoned to the cemetery at Babyland out here, where we lay the rest babies and children and teenagers and young people and young couples and dads and mothers and grandmas and grandpas. Life's not always easy. And it's hard. And man, that's born of woman, his days are few and full of troubles as sparks fly upward. God allows the troubles to build us when I don't understand it. Uh, God doesn't hate us. God is not mad at us. Our God is not in heaven with a baseball bat swinging it down and seeing who it could take out. But the rain falls on the just and in the unjust. You will experience heartaches. I can tell you of nights I have walked so long praying and begging God for some miracle to take place. And oftentimes it doesn't take place. But God's still working. When I cannot trace him, I can trust him. I can't figure it all out. I don't, what is this? How how is this going to work together for good? The Bible says, and we know all things work together for good to them that love God. It doesn't say, and we see that all things work together. It says we know, as the solos were singing, I all scan the crowd and we sing. I look around this room and I've pastored many of you for so many decades in some short time, but almost everywhere I look, every row, there's a sorrow. There's a heartache, there's a disappointment. And that's part of life. My goal is not to quit on God when it's a difficult moment in my life. My goal is not to get people to quit on God and when you don't understand God. God's always doing something. One, uh, we might say, when it's unknown to, God, when unknown to us, God's doing something. Secondly, generally, what God is doing is not revealed till the distant future. I, I, I think of I'll get to the message and we'll look at the scripture. I think of that days, we spent 31 years at a place called Clyde Avenue. When we bought that, it was only two thirds of an acre. We bought two houses and 
tore one down and moved one to South San Jose off of Alum Rock. And, uh, and, and we, we got an acre. You try to run a church for 31 years on an acre with a Christian school. Our, our church exploded. In our first year, we, we were averaging 100. In our second year, we were averaging 200. In our third year, 300. In our 10th year, a thousand. we grew 100 a year. We're running 1,000 people on, on one acre of land with 38 parking stalls. Jammed in the residential area, no parking. You could not breathe in there. And we built a building and we built another building. And then when we were 15 years of age, we're still stuck there. And, and, and we were running 1,500 in attendance. And when we were tw- 20 years old, we grew another, uh, another 500. So we're at 2,000 people. And when we were at 25 years old, we were 2,700 people coming to church every Sunday. And we had 20-some buses running up and down. We had shuttles going. You could not, it was shoehorned in there. There was no space for anything. And so I began years before that. And for several years, I had some church members help me. And they would fast. Our last meal would be about 4 or 5 o'clock on Wednesday night. And we'd not eat Wednesday night, all day Thursday and Thursday night. Some of us begin to eat on Friday at morning or about noon. And we'd fast for a couple days, begging God, doing without food, just begging God, will you do something? The Bible says this miraculous kind comes about by prayer and fasting. So we fasted. Uh, and, and that nothing. We prayed together, and it just seemed like God. I sent certified letters in, in that time, many years ago. On there was no Montague Expressway. There was a Montague Road, but all that, all those buildings that are there weren't there. It was all. It was all country. It was all farm. And I sent certified letters to every owner saying, I, "I'd like to buy your property for our church." We weren't getting anywhere there, so I went this way. Uh, toward 101. We got nothing there. And, and then I went to the city of Mount Petus and tried to the hills and tried to buy some property. Everywhere we looked, in San Jose, in Santa Clara, everywhere we looked, everywhere we looked, there was nothing to be had. We tried everything. But you know, I mentioned earlier, God gave us this property. After 31 years, God gave us this property. We're 48 years of age. We've been in this auditorium for 17 years now. God did that. But all the time I was stewing and frustrated and worried and concerned and could not sleep, had no idea what to do and had multiple service and I'd preach two on Sunday morning and we packed places out. People went to other uh, rooms on the property as we had the big auditorium filled on Sunday night. People knew if they came, they weren't gonna be in the auditorium. It's just not what I wanted as a pastor. But God was doing something. He was working on the owners of this property. He was working on a lawyer on this property. He was working on, and I go by the office over here where we have office now. The media room is in there. And I go by there. I remember talking to those people and asking them, will you sell the property? We had a meeting in there. And I can remember they had an offer. We offered them $4.5 million for it. And, and they had an offer of over $9 million for houses. And, and the, a year later, the city went, let them build them. And they said, are you still interested? I said, I am. Well, you offered $4.5 million. They had $9 million. What, 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 what could you offer us? I said, how about $3.5 million? That's a million less. One year later, 
House prices going up, and, and the owner said, I believe that'll be okay. And, and the, 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 lawyer, the, the, the lawyer was not happy, and he was just trying to protect. That's, you're losing money. He said, what are, you, what, are you, what are you going to do with that? I said, well, a church eventually, but we're going to start a college. He said, well, how much money can you give me for a down payment? I wasn't trying to be a smart aleck. I just said, we can give you a dollar. And the owner said, that'd be okay. And he said, when can you start making payments? I said, in 16 months, we're going to start a college, begin a college, maybe 16 months from now, because that'd be okay. He said, who's going to finance it? I said, could you do that for us? And he said, we can That's exactly how it took place. I can tell you some more to the miracle of it all, but that's exactly how it took place. The city said, uh, you cannot build a women's dorm here. You can't build a men's dorm. You can't build that gym and that dining hall. You can't build a 3,000-seat auditorium, but every building is here with the city's approval and final. Do you know what God was doing when I was stewing? And the moments I had great faith, God was doing something in the background that I knew nothing about. And we look at what God is doing in our lives. I'd say first, it's unknown to us, but in the future it always comes out. And then God is always doing something when it's the silent days. You're going to have to listen, and I'll try to be very brief. I know I'm, the time's going quickly. But would you be disciplined with me for, uh, to look at this text? Perhaps one reason I've not preached it for, I don't know if I ever have, maybe I have, but it's because it's, you have to understand the text. And I've tried my best to understand it for you because I think you'll be helped. Thus saith the Lord, God is talking to his anointed. Now, the anointed was Cyrus. He was, he was not, un, he was, he was not, he didn't know God, but he was anointed. What, what does that mean when he's anointed? He, he, he was just simply, God placed his hand on him for a purpose. Like he's placed his hand on Pharaoh and his wife when, when Moses was rescued in the bulrushes. He used these heathens and God is using him. And he says, you're my anointed. Here's my plan for you, Cyrus. What did you get? What, uh, to uh, the right hand, uh, uh, thus saith the Lord to his anointed Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him. Watch this. I will loose the loins of kings. What in the world? He says, Cyrus, you are going to have a federation of kings and you're going to stop this captivity of the Jews. You're going to loose their loins, their strength. Uh, the strength, loins of strength. You're going to loose that. I, here's, I'm going I'm to have you, you're my, you're my anointed one. He's not the, quote, Christian. He's not the God-fearing man. He's just the one that God was going to use. And he said, you're going you're to take the stranglehold that these nations have on Israel, and you're going to break it. And history bears out that's exactly what happened. For what reason? To open before him to lead gates and the gates shall not be shut. Shut. Verse two, I will go before thee. 
and make the crooked places straight. I'm going to lead you. Just, just speak when I want you to speak, and you do what I want you to do. God's working in the Jews' life, and the Jews don't even know it. They have been in captivity for decades. They've been in bondage for decades. And now this heathen king, God's going to put his hand on them. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches in secret places that thou mayest know that I am the Lord and call thee by name. I am the God of Israel. What's he going to use him? He is going to, this text will show us, he is going to use him to build the temple in Jerusalem. One day, Jesus is going to come back to that temple. He's going to enter the eastern gates. We're studying that on Wednesday night. By the way, did I tell you, church tonight is at 6 o'clock. Don't miss church tonight. But, but Wednesday night at 6.30, we, 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 we've been on the Mount of Olives. And talking about the Mount of Olives, that Mount of Olives, that temple that will be built there, it's the Dome of the Rock is there now. It's six times bigger than this property, the one building. And God's going to come back, Jesus, and he's going to go through the eastern gate. The Jews on the base of that mount have 150,000 graves because they do believe a Messiah is coming. Well, the Messiah has already been here. He died. Calvary covers it all. He died for their sin. And, 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 but those 150,000 Jews think when he comes back, we will be resurrected. The Muslims know that nobody unless you're a Muslim, can walk through a cemetery. So they built a cemetery right by, because they know Jesus is coming through that eastern gate, right by the cemetery. You can't get right, right by that door. You can't get through that door unless you come through the Muslim cemetery. They know he's coming again. A lot of activity going on. Well, that's the site where this heathen king is going to allow them to go back and build the foundation and build the temple that God may be worshiped. Look at verse four. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and for Israel, my elect, I have called thee by name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. He goes, you don't know me, but I have a task for you to do. And your task, I'm going to help you with. I'm going to lead you. Why? I am the Lord. Isaiah says this repeatedly. I am the Lord. There's none else. There's no God besides me. <clears throat> I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. He says it again. He said, this is not about you. Verse 5, 6, 14, 21, and 22. It says, there's no God beside me. Only God can work in the background and work when you don't understand what he's doing. Only God can do it. Why? Because there's no God like our God. Today, I want us to see how God is working in this man who's a shepherd, who's anointed. And, and during this time, there's going to be obstacles and there's going to be bondage. But here, God is using a heathen. It's amazing. He's just a little, a little king, really, under the my, the almighty hand of a, the big king, the large king, the greatest king, King Jesus. Do you realize that God always uses little things? You don't know it's big to you, but God's going to figure out a way to, he's not, he's not going to figure out anything, he already knows. God's going to have a way to, to make everything 
crooked straight. He used, he used a little lad who had five loaves and two fishes to feed 5,000 men, plus women, plus children. Just a little lad. He used a little maid in 2 Kings 5. Naaman, who was full of leprosy, he used a little maid. And the little maid said to Mr. Naaman's wife, only if your husband could get to the man of God. And he got to the man of God, and the man of God gave him direction. God was working. He put a little maid in the house. Uh, God saw to it that there was a little boy who had a slingshot and went up against a giant, Goliath, and the giant came tumbling down with his slingshot. God used a little man by the name of Zacchaeus to call many to Jesus Christ after he got saved. God used a little army of 300 soldiers in Judges 6 and seven with Gideon and his 300 men. God used a little cruise of oil for the widow woman and it never, it never ended. God, God used a little cloud, 1 Kings 18, and he rained down rain after three and a half years of no rain. God's doing something. I don't know what he's doing. We're at a point right now, we are praying, 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 praying. We need new, we need additional buildings. We need additional parking. We need additional room everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. We have Sunday school rooms everywhere. We have, we have church services going on everywhere. We're out of space again like we've been before. But the same God who did something years ago is going to do it again. I don't know how he's going to do it. Do we have money? Oh, no. But God's raising up this heathen king. And God's positioning his name, verse number seven. Verse seven, I form light and I create darkness. I make peace. I create, uh, uh, I, I create evil. And that is just sorrows. And, and I, the Lord, will do these things. I'll do these things. You can trust me. How about when things are not normal? Verse eight, 13, 19, 23, 24. They're not normal. He says, I, I'm still at work. Notice what he says in verse number nine. It's for, to show his power. Verse number eight, drop down ye heavens from above and let the skies pour down righteousness that the earth, and, and let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation and righteousness to spring up. Whoa, he that striveth with his maker. When, when you're in the midst of some big difficulty, you don't understand, don't strive with your maker. God, where are you? You go out door knocking and visit enough people, someone's going to say, I quit on God. I prayed. I asked God not to take my mother. My mother died. And she died. I asked God not to let my dad die. He died. I'm done with God. Oh, so you have just sort of like a wish list with a genie. And everything has to go your way or you're done with God. Men sang at prayer meeting, about 100 men down below us in this auditorium last night. I am, I am, Jesus said to me. I am Alpha, I am Omega, the in-between. I am Jesus, I am to the widow, the cruise of oil. To, I'm the fourth man in the fire. You, you name it, uh, I, I, when the accusers come and say, uh, she's, a, she's a wicked woman. And Jesus says, I am for her. I can meet her need. I can tell you from a life of experience, you can always trust God. Always trust God. And he speaks several times here in verse eight, two times. And verse number nine, righteousness, 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 19, righteousness. 
And verse number 23, righteousness, 24, righteous. What's God trying to do? He's trying to position these people so that the desire, righteousness. What's your desire? What are you, what are you longing for? Oh, I, I need a position. Oh, no, no, no. That position's not gonna give you peace. It may give you torment. It may give you responsibility that, that just puts such weight on your marriage that your marriage is gonna fall apart because you have too much position and you're, you finally have arrived. Uh, I, I don't know what it is in your life that you're so desirous of. If I could just have this thing, this thing, you've heard me say it years ago in 1976, I saw a Bonneville. Oh, I needed that car. And I was out visiting, I'd make sure my could go by, I had the color in there, I needed that car. And you know what, I prayed for that car. And it was a beautiful car, but I never got that car. One day, about 15, 20 years later, I was driving down the road and they had all these cars that they'd crushed piled up on a trailer. Do you know that that exact color car and everything I could tell from the grill, that was the car I needed. And I looked at that, I thought, that is the ugliest car I've ever seen. Not just because it was smashed, it was just a big old boat. It was the ugliest thing. So don't go try to find me one of those things. I do not want it. You know, the thing I thought I needed so bad would have brought me no happiness. If you're not careful, you begin to dictate, I begin to dictate what God is doing. And God, are you listening to me? Well, Nehemiah and Ezra, they were in captivity. Here is, Nehemiah is still a cupbearer to the king. He, he was a prisoner of war. But God was orchestrating this. And one of his close friends was going to come to him, Hananiah. And he said, what's the condition of Jerusalem? You, you're the first deportation. You went back into the land. He said, the gates are burned with fire and the walls are broken down and we are a reproach in our own city. In Nehemiah chapter one, verse four, he sat down, he wept, he mourned, he fasted and prayed. And for four months he prayed, oh God, do so, send somebody, send somebody. In chapter two, God touched his heart, said, you're the man. And the king saw how troubled he was. What's wrong, Nehemiah? He said, I'm in captivity and my city lieth waste. He said, I want to go tell my people, come, let us rise up and build, that we be no more a reproach to the people. We've got to get back there. I've got to get there. And the king says, I'll give you a leave of absence. And he went and took a leave of absence and put a wall around that city to protect that. God was working after 70 years and they didn't even know what he was doing. I know I'm out of time. But the Bible says, verse 22, my job is to look unto me and be saved the ends of the earth. One day in London, there was a severe ice storm. During that ice storm, the city was closed down, but there was a boy who was troubled, a teenage boy, just troubled. He's so troubled in his heart. He had no peace. Well, he wasn't saved. And that boy on a Sunday afternoon began to wander through that ice storm and looked for a church that would be open that night and couldn't find anything. Nobody was moving in the city of London. And now it's dark and he's still looking for a place to go to church. I, I just think I need to go to church to find out what this problem is in my life. And he went 
And he passed and he looked down the lane, down that road, and he saw at the end of a dead end road, a, a light was on. And he walked down there. The preacher wasn't there that night. He couldn't get there. The ice storm was so bad. A farmer that just sort of had like bib overalls, you know, you see the pitchfork type. A farmer was up there. He said, I'm not a preacher. I think there was just maybe less than a dozen people there. And he said, but God is giving me this privilege to preach. He said, tonight I'm preaching from Isaiah 45, 22. This text right here, where we are. You know, God was orchestrating this, the ice storm. God was orchestrating that just farmer, just a normal farmer to be there that night. God was orchestrating that no place else was open. And it says, verse 22, look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved. As that preacher preached, he gave an invitation. That, 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 that farmer preached, he gave an invitation. And, and he said, young man, look right here for a moment. This verse is for, I would not do that to you today. This verse is for you. God speaking to your heart. I don't know what it is, but your trouble, I can see it. Come to Christ. And Charles Haddon Spurgeon walked forward and got saved. Spurgeon almost immediately became a preacher in London at 19. They couldn't contain the crowds in the big halls that they had. The crowds began, he just had the touch of God on his life. God was orchestrating it all. He built the tabernacle, a big building. And in fact, the pulpit like this is on the second balcony up here. And then there's a third row of top story above it. And there's three levels. And he would walk upstairs to this pulpit and he'd preach to the crowds, over 5,000 people there. He'd preach three and four times every Sunday and the building was filled every time. The cab drivers that, that had those horses and they'd take, and, and, and the big thing in London, where are you going this Sunday morning? Charlie's place. Charlie, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I'm going to Charlie's space. Oh, you get to hear him preach today. You know, once a quarter he would ask his church, I'm preaching, I believe it was three times this Sunday, next Sunday. I'm going to ask all of our members not to come to church. Won't you like that? And he said, we're only going to let visitors come. God was orchestrating all that while he was a teenage boy in his life. He orchestrated so he could get saved. So he could preach the word of God. Spurgeon's wife came to church and was a faithful member encouraging her husband. He got married as a preacher and in giving birth to her twins, something took place and she was an invalid from that day forward. She could never go to church. Somehow she would edit all of his messages. The largest volume of books I have in my library is Spurgeon's messages. Spurgeon suffered through gout. His church would send him to Mentone, France because of the, the, the tremendous dampness in London fog would hurt his joints. Spurgeon at age 59 died. Died young. The war bombed out his building after he died years later. But a portion of it was saved. And it's still being used as a church to preach the gospel. 
They still have the King James Bible there. They still have hymn books there. They still have an altar call. They still go soul winning. Something happened. He died in 1899. You know what God did? He was orchestrating it all. I must tell you this. God used Cyrus for that moment. Cyrus began to conquer the world, historians tell us. And nation after nation fell into his grip after this. He became so powerful, he was well known throughout the world, Cyrus II. He was a powerful man. There was a woman who was queen, but actually the president of another country. And she said, you're conquering everything. Let's meet together. He said, I'll bring some of my army men and you bring yours army and we'll meet together so it's peace. She goes, I trust you. So let's not bring all the armament. Let's just meet. You can go and look this up in history. They met. Her purpose was to kill him. She lied. And in that meeting, that woman killed that man. Cyrus. But God had used him as one who did not know God. I don't know who God's going to use in your life. I don't know who God is using in your life and orchestrating it right now, whether saved or unsaved. I don't know if it's a godly grandmother or a grandfather or a mother or a dad or a wife or a husband or a son or a daughter. But God has brought you to this place by His orchestration today. Whatever the need is in your life, only God can meet it. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.